0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a AM member of
1: This is March 8th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. One, two, three, four. Mom? My- Welcome to another Brewed Beat here on CMS Media, I'm your host Time. Jimmy Murphy, and uh, today you know, a rather sensitive topic uh, is kind of hit home here in Boston, and with the Boston Brews specifically, um, and that is concussions and brain trauma, and a topic that obviously in the NHL right now is very sensitive, very prevalent, and and one of the main reasons that it's prevalent and is getting so much attention, as it rightfully should, is a man by the name of Daniel Carcillo. And if you don't know about Daniel Carcillo, he's a Stanley Cup champion. He played with the Chicago Blackhawks, Philadelphia Flyers. You Bruins fans might remember him uh, from that, we'll just say forgettable series that I'm sure you try to put away in your in your mind uh, when the Flyers came back and the Bruins. I believe he was on that team. You can correct me if not. And he's joining me right now. Uh, Daniel Carcillo, how are you doing?
2: Good, Jimmy. How are you, man?
1: Good. Now, you were you on that t- 2010 squad that uh, erased the 3-0 deficit?
2: You know it. I do. Bruins fan.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. What a. Oh, that was. Uh, hey, it was a great series in Philly, but here in Boston, that's something people forget. And I'll tell you, Tuca Rass still gets a lot of hell for that, even though he he went on to take the team to Game Six of the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, he's just never been able to live that down. I don't think he will until he wins the cup. But um, first of all, kid. <laughs> You know, like I was saying to our uh, our listeners there just now, you've done an amazing job um, in the last year or so, and even more, of of really pushing brain science and concussion awareness uh, out there, right there in Twitter in the Twitter world, and and also now it's of course through your work is getting a lot of ink as well uh, in major news outlets, on major TV outlets, uh, and what have you. And I, I just want to you know, get to the beginning of that. We'll get to David Backus in a bit, but I just want to get to, you know, how did you decide that this was something you wanted to do and you wanted to uh, to help further the cause and and, and really help your fellow uh, players?
2: Um, I think it was a <clears throat> a conscious decision about, you know, eleven or ten months or so ago, where I was reading about. The 297 emails that were made public in the NHL concussion lawsuit. I was reading more and more about what type of information was withheld from me during my career and withheld from countless others. And if you saw me play in my career, you might think that I like to hurt people on the ice, but that couldn't be further from the truth. I just played a role that where I had to fight you know and I had to stick up for people and where I saw injustice and if a guy like Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taze was getting picked on or or leaned on then I would go out and um, make sure that those guys felt comfortable enough and safe enough to play the game of hockey and put bucks in the back of the net and that was definitely a role that was played now it's since become extinct or supposedly it's it's extinct. What um, I think, as we can see here in the Boston media the last few days, with a lot of the concussion talk surrounding Bacchus and what the coach has said, um, it doesn't doesn't seem like it is extinct. And in certain markets, uh, especially original six markets, I think it's something of uh, of a selling point that the league sells actively sells and certain organizations still actively sell uh, violence hate and rivalries to old school fans and they're just too afraid to move off of that narrative
0: Mm -hmm. and
2: so what I try to do on social media and daily and like for example today I'm going to go talk to 350 high school students here in Orland Park in Chicago or just uh, southwest of Chicago but just to educate them on, you know, recognizing signs and symptoms, and then moving into proper diagnosis and care. And everybody thinks that I want to save hockey. I really don't. I'm just using hockey as a platform to get to millions of people in different communities, like the veteran community, firefighters, police officers, first responders, kids in high school, you know, kids in the OHL, kids in junior hockey, um, women of domestic violence, child abuse victims, there's a lot of people that go to emergency rooms uh, thinking that they're going to see a concussion after they get an MRI or a CT scan, and it just couldn't be further from the truth. And then, you know, take it a step further, introducing chemicals into your body, which is what a lot of these American doctors like to do here, is prescribe an antidepressant for the depression, just uh, prescribe the Xanax for the anxiety, but what they're missing is that those mental health issues and complications are derived from the concussion or the traumatic brain injury, more specifically the event. So I just try to speak honestly about, um, what proper diagnosis and care looks like. And, um, and then I help people offline, you know, on DMs and, and through a lot of text messages and, and phone calls that I get through the foundation and emails and whatnot. So.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, and that's that's great that you haven't just limited this to hockey and, and what you were familiar. You're trying to reach all walks of life, and I really applaud you for that. You know, it's interesting you were just talking about the the emergency room visits. I I had a second cousin. I mean, I was only about eight, I think, Dan, when this happened. But you know, my my parents had told me this story, and it, it always scares the shit out of me to be honest. He he was he was out one night, and you know, I had a couple pops, having a good time with his buddies, and they're walking out of a bar and, and some guys start up with them and it ends up into a fight and he hits his head on the curb and he goes to the emergency room and they just brush it off. like They're like, yeah, you know, you got a bump on the head. You're, you're drunk, whatever. You'll be fine. They give him some painkillers and they tell him to go home and go to bed. Well, he did that and he never woke up. And,
0: mm.
1: you know, that was... I mean, what? So I'm 44 now. That was a long time ago. That was like 36 years ago. But the scary thing is, is that's still happening. And I'm, you know, what, when we talk about the hockey sense right now, I, I don't think any trainers are saying go home and go to bed. But there's still this. I I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. It just seems like this. If this is too strong a word, I, and I don't mean any offense to the training society and, and you know the trainers across the NHL and the medical society across the end, but there seems to be a lot of ignorance, or, or is it stubbornness? And, and that's where, you know, I'd like to get your take. Is it a combination of both, or how do you see it there?
0: Um,
2: yeah, it's tough because I get this question a lot, and I think that a lot of doctors and a lot of athletic trainers and therapists in the league, their hands are tied. Okay. Their hands are tied by the rules that come down from the NHL and the NHLPA. It really starts with the NHL and then moves into the NHLPA as well because they're in litigation right now. So, and they're going to be in litigation. They have until March 20th to either accept or reject the percentage of enrollment um, of men who were in the NHL concussion lawsuit settlement. And then after that, you know, we go to court, I'm a critical witness in Steve Monidor's case,
0: mm-hmm. you know, and then after that,
2: my case goes to court. And then after that, Derek Bugard's family is going to court. And then Nick Boynton's going to court. So, like, their litigation problems are honestly just beginning. Like, I think Steve's case has the potential to change. Such I don't even like using this word, but um, – sport related concussion, you know, like there's what I want people to understand is there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a sport related concussion. Like if you you get into a concussion, you're not gonna call me up and be like, oh damn, I just got I I got one of those car accident concussions. Like is that worse than a a sport related concussion? Well no, it's just it's just a concussion. You know, straight up it's it's just brain injury and brain damage. And forget about CTE. Like what we know about brain injury and brain damage is that it leads to cognitive dysfunction and neurodegenerative diseases in some cases you know and CTE is part of that but without brain injury and brain damage repetitive repetitive head trauma without that then you're not getting brain damage and you're not more susceptible to these neurodegenerative diseases or cognitive dysfunction like for example um, I'm right, right brain, frontal lobe, lower right cortex injured that's where I was identified. Well that's you know those are two major areas in my brain that control you know my personality, my problem solving, my decision- making process and they were literally shut down. So you have these guys like retiring from sport who aren't predisposed to mental health issues or conditions and they're retiring with mental health issues and with these serious, mental health um complications like suicidal ideation. Like, that's what eventually pushed me into treatment was that I wanted to drive off and kill myself. And I have, you know, three young kids under the age of four. And so it got really scary. You know, I needed to figure out what was going on. And the scary, here's the scariest thing is that when you're in your career and you're still super stimulated, that stuff doesn't really creep into your head. Um, you know, it's funny we're having this conversation because I got a text message last night from a guy who I helped, um, you know, get into treatment is still in the league and he couldn't sleep last night for the first time. And he had anxiety, you know, and all through the night and he's texting me like, is this normal? And it's, and it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not normal if you're not born with it, you know, and what, what I want people to understand and David back to Sue is that it's a chemical imbalance. You know, you have a chemical imbalance on your brain because of these repetitive head traumas, and it's not your fault, number one. It's not the player's fault. It's, again, this league that withholds this pertinent information, like the words of early onset dementia. You know, you have to use those words. If you want guys to drop that mentality that, you know, I'm a warrior and I'm sacrificing myself for the good of the team, like, I mean, that might be all well and good right now because you want to play another year or two. I get it because I was there, and I did that too. But my belief is that if they have the proper understanding, they're not going to take those risks anymore. And that's why I believe that the NHL actively continues to withhold that type of information because, well, they want Warriors. NHL on NBC, they want to be able to sell the rivalries. You know, and without these types of players, there aren't any rivalries. There's just a new game, which is amazing. Like, I love the game of hockey now. Like, the skill game, I love watching the Leafs. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they still, I think the NHL is still so deathly afraid of losing all of their hardcore fans that they just can't get off that narrative. And then, you know, number two, it would be, it would be an admission of guilt, right?
0: Yeah.
2: You know, so that's another big reason why you don't see any changes. Like, I just saw the GMs, they're talking about making sure that if you lose your helmet, you got to get off the ice. Well, I mean, yeah, but that only protects against fractures of the skull and cuts, you know, with no helmet. Like, yeah. What I want people to understand is there's no such thing as a safe helmet or a safe mouth guard. None of them will ever and are have never been proven to protect against your brain sloshing around in a rigid skull due to a, a big hit or, you know, a puck to the face, a stick to the face, like any any types of those hits, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you, Will. You know, you brought up the topic there of you know, being in a situation where you, you're seeing – you're seeing the end of your career coming, and it seems to be getting faster.
0: You
1: want to stick around, and you want to you want to contribute to your team. You want to be there for your teammates. Let's let's play this clip here from Bruce Cassidy right now, and then I'm going to get your reaction to that. I don't have the audio from Bacchus, but what I will do after we play the clip is I'll read you the uh, the Bacchus quotes from the other night after his fight against Michael Thurman. So here's the Cassidy clip. I do. I worry about. It listen, they're human beings first, right? And when you coach them every day, um, that's always a concern. But David, I, I think, is grabbing onto a, an area of the lineup where he feels he can contribute. So, you know, I, 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 we really appreciate that as a staff and the players do too, that he's putting himself in harm's way for go to the team. And that's, that's leadership. So uh, I prefer he doesn't do it every night. And hopefully, it, you know, that this has just been a run where he's had to do it, but... You know, I can't predict the future, but uh, again, it's, it's a testament to his character. All right, so you you hear that there, Dan, and this was now I'm going to read you the quotes from Bacchus afterwards when we asked him about the fight and the situation. But this this first one right now, really, this is something like you know it, it scares me a bit, and we we heard kind of what Cassidy said there. Cassidy's almost saying, "Yeah, we're." We're behind him fighting despite his concussions. And, look, I think Bruce Cassie's a great guy. I think he's a great coach. And I, I think this goes to what we were just discussing, Dan, that it's just the mentality. And so I'm not I'm not trying to single out Bruce right now, but I think it's a, this that was a perfect example of what you said there. This is an even bigger example. This is uh, – Back is telling us – I'm going to quote him now. Quote, unquote, he said, you have to stick up for your teammates. Whether it was a liberty taken or, you know, tonight's hit, which is a hard, clean hit, First of all, I don't think clean hit should be ending a fight anymore. I don't know what star that. It's going to end. But anyhow, Bacchus goes on here. He says, but if you guys are running at our skilled guys, we need to hold them accountable. And I thought there was an opportunity for me to step up and, you know, fill that role. I asked Butchie, that's Bruce Cassidy, when we were in Vegas and we had a meeting, if I could be put in roles or places that could have a bigger impact on games. And you know whether that's with my, dad, my gloves on, I think he's provided me those opportunities, and hopefully I've done my job for him. Whoa. Hold the phone here. I mean, so I, read it. I mean, I hope you heard that the way I did, Dan. He's basically saying that they had a meeting that said, this is what I want you to do, and this is what I want to do for the team, and this is going to be my role now. So he's he, this is like a calculated decision on both parts for him to start fighting more Despite his concussion history and his age and the wear and tear in his body, he's now making a calculated decision. So he goes on and he says, my wife, uh, they ask, you know, are you worried about the concussions? And he says, well, my, w- my wife does, but that can't be a thought in your head when you're out playing in the NHL. I think there's, you know, times where she's probably worried about me driving more than 65 miles an hour on the Mass Pike, too, in a potential car accident. But whatever else that could come, I can't control that. But I think the game is you look at the stats and you're not as prone to concussions actually fighting as you are from whiplash or side hits or shoulders to the face or elbows to the face. I want to get your take on that, Dan. You know, I guess it's a calculated decision. So he says it right there. And if I'm going to stay part of this team and stay part of a winning team, that's maybe going to be part of my role and I'm okay with it. It's sticking up for each other, sticking together again. It's a staple of what we do here. Now, does that not just, like, in a complete nutshell, say everything you just said,
2: Dan? 100%. That's – I mean, if you read that quote back, you know for a fact after reading that, like, for me, that confirms that these guys are just not getting the proper understanding, education, diagnosis, or care. You know, that affirms it because – If they are, I mean, you just don't – you don't have somebody um, trying to make a metaphor with concussions and brain injuries to driving 65 miles an hour on a turnpike. They're not the same thing. Yeah. You know, they're just – they're not. And to his point, yeah, he's right. (laughs) A lot more concussions come from hits to the body. Like, for example, 2009, 2010, the unsealed emails, there were 66 – Reported concussions, 33 of those were from legal body checks to the body, legal body checks, you know, and only three were from fighting. Um, I think that they're underreported. I think there's a lot more whiplash and neck tears than in fighting with the jersey pulling um, than, you know, there are in in regular uh, body checks, you know. And sorry, that's my daughter. She's standing
0: <laughs> up. <laughs>
2: um, but you know, to his point, if you if you listen to that, it, it it's hard to listen to just because of the coach element. But you just can't fault David Backus or Cassidy.
1: Thank you. Because See, I how you can, can they? Because I I don't think Cassidy's at fault either. I think I almost put no, him it's a player.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like almost, it's almost like this, right? How can you fault somebody for something that they don't know? For it, something that, that they're playing in a league that's worth $4.5 billion, but they refuse to give them the proper information and the proper education. Like I'm talking about, Jimmy, when I say proper education and information, huh? I'm talking about like taking a, a, a camera to an early or to a dementia clinic and interviewing dementia patients and then going back in a month and updating and interviewing them again and you can see some sort of deterioration and then talk to the family members right you know and talk like that's the type of education that needs to happen with with respect to you know scare tactics like you have to and it's honest right it's not being over dramatic about these brain injuries and once that happens, right, then I think you'll start to see guys respecting each other a little bit more. Obviously, you know, the NHL player's safety has to step up and do their part because at the end of the day, like, there really isn't an enforcer role. There's not guys out there fighting almost every game. It's down a lot, which is great. But you still see these teams with this crazy mentality of, you know, David's. You know, David's going to be – he's hes at risk. You know, he's definitely at risk. Even right now, like, as his head trauma history goes, like, that's a lot of head trauma. You know, I've had seven diagnosed, confirmed concussions. But, you know, I don't know what he's at now. But I've heard his name a lot in yeah. the um, – you know, and I feel for him because he's playing for an owner that <laughs> – apparently has never heard the the term CTE,
1: you Don't you know, it. so
2: that, that's, that's even scarier, you know, like him and him and Gary are the two guys that perpetuate this, you know, and um, yeah, just, uh, it's, it's, it's a scary situation. If I was his wife and I was his kids, how many kids does he have? Three or four kids, right? It. Um, I'd be worried. But again, the scary part is he's, he's only going to feel those symptoms um once he gets out of his career you know and but uh you know in my head it's like oh it's, we're going to hear from him doing an interview a year after he retires that you know he's suffering and that's it sucks to say that but that's going to be a big reality especially jimmy like what what we have coming down the pipeline this is what i feel and it's not I'm not proud to say this, or but guys my age from who were born, like, 80 to 85 and earlier, we started hitting at four years old.
0: Mm.
2: So if we think that only the pro hits affect us, well, think again. Yeah. You know, like, there's I really do believe, and that's why you see guys like Rick Nash retiring because of PCS and Wingles, you know, um... There's a lot of guys.
1: Is Windows you know, guy done? Is he retired?
2: I'm sorry, not no, not Wendell's, Um Joey Vitale. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Um, after I said that, yeah, I'm like, no, it's not. Oh, no worries. No, but I, funny, Vitale, I
1: was talking about Windows the other day because he was here last year, and I was wondering what happened to him. So.
2: Yeah, and maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm blanking on it. But uh, you know, there's there's guys that are now walking away from the game at very young ages because of post-concussive syndrome, you know, and so it's, I think we have an epidemic coming, you know, I really do. And um, I like the way the game is moving, like as far as, you know, less, less of that mentality, you know, and more like sell the game on what's really great and exciting, like yeah. the, the skill and the speed, you know, and uh yeah it's obviously a full contact sport and i think it will be forever but as long as you give them right this is my mission as long as you give them the proper understanding and the proper diagnosis and care so that guys aren't you know more susceptible to the next injury um then you have number 1 the human being winning because they're not walking around with a chemical imbalance and playing more susceptible to another head trauma. Number two, the fans see an op- optimized athlete. Hand-eye coordination, processing speed for hockey players will be tip-top, and that's really important for us. Yeah. And then number three, the owners and the GMs win because they get less man games lost, and you don't have guys like Rick Nash walking away from the game at 34 or 35. You know, so um, that's how all of this kind of works and. Again though, you know, it's um it's going to be incumbent on the guys which sucks because when you're under their care, you're under their care. Like once you sign that contract, I think a lot of people don't realize this is that you can't go and just pick up and go to another doctor. Yeah. You know, you just you have to go through a process and then like my friend did, Steve, um they just couldn't get him right and he just we had a conversation one night and just said you know, effort. like, let's just go, we'll go to the Carrick Institute. He did, he came back, he was cleared, signed his papers, and they sent him down. Jesus. You know, um, then that's how it works. Like, if you don't listen and tow the company line, you're not only sent down, but you're blackballed. Yeah. Um, so.
1: Let me ask you this, Dan. There, yeah. was, there was a tweet, and look, um, there was a tweet from a, a local reporter here um, with the Boston Herald, Marissa and Jimmy, um, where she was – and see, I think I'm still – got to talk to her more to clarify it because I disagree with her tweet. But now as we're talking here, I'm wondering if maybe she was more referring to everything we're talking about now, right now, with the culture in the NHL and forcing guys to play her. Um, and if so, I, I agree with her. But I disagree with her at the time because she was – saying she was criticizing media and fans for applauding players and calling them brave when they played her. But she didn't necessarily specify, you know, I'm referring to concussions. She just left it out there more in terms of reasons, right? And I have this vision where, like, you know, I don't think a player should be – like, I'm I'm thinking back to Stanley Cup Finals 2013, right? And I'm sitting there after the Bruins get eliminated – I'm in the dressing room waiting by Patrice on stall. And I don't know if you remember that series, Dan, but you know, he played the final three games with broken ribs, a punctured lung and a broken clavicle. And I have a hard time not applauding his courage to be there for his team and battle through it. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm falling now under the culture of what we're talking about. And maybe that mindset that I have towards this needs to change. Now, if he played with a head injury, by no means would I be applauding that. I would say he shouldn't have played. I wouldn't have blamed him. I would have blamed the NHL and the culture we're talking about. But am I wrong to to praise a guy for toughness in that respect? What's your take on that?
2: Um, I don't think so. I think you're talking about two totally different things.
1: Okay. You know,
2: you. Um, I think, and that's just my experience. You know, listen, like, we know playing 82 games over, I think the season's 187 days and then getting to the playoffs, like, we know there's going to be bumps and bruises. We know that just from playing minor hockey, you know. We're – the trainers, for that matter, are well-equipped, right, Right. to take care of us. Um, Playing through a brain injury and those types of symptoms is just not smart. and guys aren't educated enough to even pull themselves really like until the proper understanding and education comes down the pipeline then yeah. um you know then it's still going to be this way and um as an athlete right the, like I I always go back to this like you're you're comfortable being uncomfortable so When when you're in the summer and you get, like, if you're lucky enough to get two or three months off, if you didn't have a long playoff run, you take advantage of it. You take three weeks or two weeks off to let your body recoup, and then you build your body back up. That's the time. You get three months or two months to build your body back up to prepare to break it down when you get to training camp because it starts to break down as soon as you go through those tests at training camp. Right. Right? And then you're just maintaining Like, so guys are prepared, you know, guys are prepared to have their body beaten down, to lose some teeth, to, but what you don't realize is like, even when I lost my teeth, like when I, when I took a puck to the mouth, like, man, that's a mild traumatic brain injury. No doubt in my mind. You know, they say your wires cross. Well, yeah, you know, my wires did cross because I took a wrist shot to the mouth, you know, and I, I played, (laughs) you know, um, I don't want to see that happen again or anymore, you know, and so I do educate and I'm pretty aggressive, and I tell it like it is that's just who I am, and long
1: ago. I mean it's great to yeah have people like out there because yeah,
2: why not have subs? you know what I mean? I threw this this thought out there the other day, like instead of carrying twenty five guys, carry thirty, have four guys, two defensemen, two forwards, readily available that you know are work we we work out during the game. You know, so instead of doing the workout before the game, you know, you could have, like, four guys just ready to go. Like, and if it's a defenseman and they're out due to suspected head trauma, there's no such thing as, like, doing a proper concussion diagnosis in 10 minutes on the impact application. I'll tell you that right now. There's no such thing, all right? A proper concussion diagnosis takes an hour. So when you see these guys, like, going back and then, you know, running back onto the ice after doing a test that can be gamed, like, the same test every single year that we see, I saw it over 15 times, you know, like, it can be gamed, and guys game it. So there needs to be something else. Like, you can't cheat a balance test. You can't cheat uh, the iPad. That actually puts the cameras on your eyes and sees if there's any dysfunction in your vestibular, or ocular, or affect system. You can't cheat that.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: and so if there's a suspected concussion, the guy's out, no questions asked, and you get to sub somebody in. You Why did like, you have
1: money, right? That's more, that's of more-
2: course it's money. It's
1: awesome. yeah. yeah.
2: Of it's- course, but you know, to that point, well, you know, you'll have guys like Tainer, Taves, I'm um, playing longer. Inherently, you're making more money. They're making more. Yeah, you're you're paying a little extra, but you know it's it is it's a money game. But apparently, the league's pretty profitable. So you know, if they're if if they're an entity worth 4.8 billion dollars, like I would assume that they would want to take care of their employees. You know,
1: it's funny, Dan, how they're, they they claim they're worth that when it when it's a uh... Benefiting them, PR wise, but then when when it's not, they're not worth that. You know, you ever notice how that changes a lot?
0: Well, yeah,
2: yeah. Like uh, offering twenty two thousand dollars for <laughs> for guys to for a lifetime of treatment. But
1: that's because yeah. right? it's so it's so ridiculous and ass. It is. It's just,
2: it's absurd. It's yeah. just it's crazy. And what's more absurd though is like there's not that many people that think it's absurd because yeah. They haven't had proper diagnosis and care, and that's they know that, right? Like, they know that there's guys in this lawsuit that played 10 games that are looking for a payday. They know that, you know, Rick Vibe, you know, signed up and then dropped out two days later because the Leafs leaned on him. Like, they know that a lot of guys, you know, their livelihood depends on hockey. Yeah. You know, and that's just reality, and so they play off of that, right? Like, they're very strategic, and they're very smart in that respect. You know, and, go ahead. Yeah. Jesus.
1: No, go ahead, Jim. No,
2: I was – oh, no, no. I was just saying, you know, they – the NHL's not – they're not dumb, right? They're a bunch of lawyers running a hockey league. Yeah. You know? Um, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool to, like, maybe start a league with no hitting? You know? See see where that goes? But it won't you happen. Know, like
0: no. – that's Yeah,
2: you never know. <clears throat> you never know. You know, there's another football league. Why can't there be another hockey league for guys that just want pure skill? and?
1: Well, you know, you know maybe it could. You, you said something at the beginning of this conversation, and, I, and I, I failed to follow up before, but I want to now, Dan, before I let you go. And it, you're one of the few people that I've noticed on Twitter uh, out of former players that are going through this and, and or going through anything um You know, concussion-related or post-career suffering that calls out the NHLPA, and I, I, I just think I'm not going to say they're as guilty as the NHL, but I'm going to say they're definitely guilty of of not preparing players, of not being more active to prevent everything we're talking about right now, of not educating uh, when they can, Um, and, and just in general. It doesn't just come with concussion. It comes with a lot of things, like with the history of what's gone on with the PA. Why don't more people, more player reps, why aren't they more active in asking questions um, for their their fellow players? I, I just think it's something that is playing a major role in everything we've discussed right now.
2: I mean, the guys are singularly focused on playing, you know. You hear about the union. I don't know, maybe three times a year. Nobody really cares. You
1: hear about him when there's a lot. You know,
2: of them. Yeah, exactly. And you know, um, guys at the NHLPA running that union—they're stealing money. You know, in my mind.
1: Oh, I've no, seen the reviews. That's, that, 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 that's true. Okay. You know,
0: yeah. Like and, right, now,
1: Donald Spears is a fraud, and I'm to can can—I'm on record. I'm on record saying it, and I'll say it again here. He's a fraud. And and he needs to be investigated because he's not there for the good of those players. I, I can just tell you that right now. Yeah. For I know. No. And you know he's
2: he is who he is. You know he wanted to get paid three million dollars to take the job, and he wanted yeah. to have all of his lawyers buddies. Yeah. From MLB, right you know, be a no, part no. of it. But the problem, the problem them, is you know. they all. Yeah. They all live in New York is yeah. the problem, right? So anytime there's an issue, then they have to commute in and that's on the player's dime. And then, you know, when they're they're traveling, well, they're staying at the peninsula. And when you're marketing, the head of marketing can't, you know, get across town in LA and she charters a helicopter for 24 grand, that's a problem. You know, I'm sure that these guys don't know this, right? And again, it goes back to, they know that guys are singularly focused on just playing like that takes up your whole life. And um, are they really going to delve into this type of stuff? You know, no. And um, I will, I'll say this, like, so here I'll just pose two questions to you. You're in the media and you can ask these questions. If you want to find out if a guy has the proper understanding education, of diagnosis and care for a concussion or a traumatic brain injury, just ask them, hey, uh, last time you went through the protocol, uh, the five systems that they checked for concussion, what were those again? Can you name those? And if they can't name vestibular, ocular, affect, cognitive and autonomic system then they're not getting the proper diagnosis all right so then there's that question and then ask them hey what does the NHLPA do (laughs) you'll get a lot of crickets you know nobody really knows and so if the union members don't know well then I mean that's that's a problem you know it's it's a big problem and and you look at the salaries and you look at a lot of things, it, there's just a lot of discrepancies there. You know, the NHL has now fallen to fifth place behind the premier league and behind, you know, the NFL, the NBA and major league baseball in support generating revenue. Yet this union and these union members make in some cases twice as much as, and the NBA PA guys and the NFL PA guys. So you, you have, it's a head scratcher, you know, and, I was in the league for a long time paying dues
0: yeah. and,
2: um, there's, there's no transition program and and there's just, there's nothing, there's nothing readily available for guys in the way of programming. And the NHLPA ultimately is for the players. So it controls half of that $4.5 billion, right? Yeah. Cause that's player salary. It's a 50, yeah. 50 split and they do nothing. So that needs to change.
1: Yeah. You know, I'll tell you this, when they, uh, the, um, uh, they had the last lockout there in 2012-13 uh, there. I, I ended up working on a story, ironically, and Ted Lindsay just passed this week, and I, one of the guys I interviewed who was a main part of the story was Ted Lindsay, because um, I had discovered um, through uh, Russ Conway, Hall of Fame hockey writer who put Alan Eagleson away um, with his story there. He had clued me into what was going on and that when fear came in, to the NHLPA, I don't know if you know about this, he cut the NH- – the, the, I forget what they call it. It's for the senior NHL alumni, so you have to be 60 and over. And he cut their benefits in half immediately when he came in. And they were like, what? You know, I use this to go to the doctor. I use this – some of them are in the hospital, you know, being treated. They needed that money. And he just came in and cut it in half. And the
0: emergency fund?
1: Yes. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. yep. And he, he came in, cut it in half, you know, and, then, and through the, my research, and I don't know if it's still true, you know, because we're six years later. I know what's happening. But, you know, I said it then. He, he came in and he put – you were talking about how he put all his lawyer friends on, on the salary there. He also had his girlfriend on the salary too, you know. He just said, oh, yeah. whatever. We'll give her a half a million, throw her on. No big deal. It's not my money. And that That's yeah. this is what the players need to know, and, and it all circles back to what we're talking about with our, the genesis of our conversation here with, you know, CT and concussions and everything. They, they need to know this stuff, and the NHLPA isn't being that conduit of that information that they need to be. and it's it's disgusting.
0: No.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're not doing their job, right? so. Why do you have ex-players in positions of, of, you know, trying to create revenue and business positions when they've never, they don't know anything about business? Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, you need to put professionals, in my experience, you need to put professionals who know how to do the job and who have experience in doing the job in those positions. Like uh, two years ago, the NBA PA brought in, I think, $110 million. and. They gave back 79 million to players in the way of programming. Wow. And that same year, the NHLPA brought in 29 million and they gave back zero dollars in the way of programming to players. Um, I think they prey on the fact that number one, there's so many members that information, you know, can be hidden and gets lost through translation. It's like broken telephone. Um, And I think they prey on the fact that guys who play hockey have that mentality that, oh, we'll sacrifice, you know, we'll sacrifice for our teammates, we'll sacrifice ourselves for the good of the game, and we'll also sacrifice ourselves for the next generation. You know, that's the thing you always hear in the CBA. Like, it might not be for us, it'll be for the next guys, you know. And it just – I think that's been said since the beginning of time because that's our mentality. You know, is, is, it's driven into us from a very young age that, um, you sacrifice yourself for the good of the team. Yeah. You know, things like that are said all the time. And then what's said in the room stays in the room. And, you know, like all of this stuff that harbors like, you know, abuse and hazing and, and this warrior mentality. I think needs to be changed the way it's going to be changed is that younger generation coming up and just not, not accepting that, not accepting that narrative, you know, and I think guys are now, you know, and so it's changing slowly, but surely they're just, you know, I have a five-year plan with this advocacy work and we're not even in year one, you know, and now it's starting to really take hold on social and, um, you know, there's other things coming down the pipeline, though, you know, like some things with uh, the Players' Tribune, uh, a book. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of, like, really good stuff coming.
1: Awesome. Well, listen, Dan, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I'd More of these conversations out there, and I know that's what you're trying to do. And uh, I appreciate all the work you're doing. And seriously, I've told you before uh, in our DMs, I here from Amy and if, there's any, if you come to Boston and you're doing some speeches, let me know. I'll help uh, promote it and, and, you know, anything I can do to help, all right? Awesome. appreciate it, Jimmy. All right. That's former NHL And and really, I think right now a guy, I'm going to say, it should be considered a hero amongst players right now, Daniel Carcillo, joining us here on the Bruins beat on CLNS Media. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to Dan right now, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to answer your Bruins questions of the week. Uh, so stay tuned. All right so here we are back And, uh you know before we get back into your questions here and what what a conversation we just had there uh a longer than expected uh bruin speech uh but I don't think you mind I know I didn't mind that was very educational um it, it's amazing what Daniel Carcillo has done like he said it's a 5 year plan he's only in year 1 it's amazing the awareness he's brought to to CTE research and and head injuries and uh and just the conditions that players are in after their careers and what they're going through. I mean, I, I'm friends with Kevin Stevens. We all know his story with the brain injuries he's suffered and the, the the addiction issues he had and how he's cleaned himself up. But it's a direct result of the lack of knowledge and the prevention from the NHL. And I think to an extent the NHL PA from letting these players gain this knowledge and be prepared. And, and clearly, I mean – I think David Back is a smart guy. He's making his own decisions, but clearly him and Cassidy right now are, are falling victim to that culture. Look, I've been the biggest advocate of fighting, what have you. I, I think I always say that there's a, a place in the game if it if it's on spontaneity, it's a spur of the moment. Hey, it's going to happen. But I don't know, man. I mean, after that conversation and just being there, listening to his talk the other day and, and Cassidy, I, I don't know. You know, I, maybe I'm starting to see things differently now, too. But let's get on to some positive stuff here. And before we do, uh, we've got to mention our sponsors here. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Uh, actually, no, there already was a story uh, about Daniel Carcillo in the Athletic. And, of course, there's an Athletic Boston as well. And they're one of our sponsors. We're proud to have them on board here. And, and I always tell you guys, you can go and get a subscription for $2.99 a month. All right. So, uh, the Bruins beat, as we told you, one of our one of our sponsors are proud to have them on board. We're brought to you by The Athletic. And, of course, if you don't know what The Athletic is, I'll give you the, the official rundown they have me read, but I'm also going to tell you what I think of it. The Athletic is the subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. Instead, readers get in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams and leagues inside and out. Today, the Bruins Beat listeners can get forty percent off by going there right now and using the promo code Bruins Beat. Okay, go there right now, use the promo code Bruins Beat, and that makes it a subscription of two ninety nine a month. Again, subscribe today using the promo code Bruins Beat and be a part of the future of sports journalism. Or I should say, I, I think they need to include in that uh, sentence there, the past um, of future sports journalism because. What's happened to sports journalism is everything the athletics trying not to be. That's what sports journalism is now. Sports journalism used to be the athletic because we used to have great newspapers, great Sunday columns and Sunday columns is kind of the feel I get when I read the athletic, you know waking up on a Sunday and then just it, getting into your breakfast and then sipping a coffee and kicking back and, and reading some great columns. I mean I used to grow up reading the likes of Kevin Paul DuPont and Larry Brooks and guys like that and I looked forward to that. It was much must read and uh, I didn't let many people bother me when I was doing that because it was just my time. It was this great, you know, me time. And I got to know what was going on around the league and what have you and, uh, in the NHL. And, you know, there was great baseball columns uh, by Nick Cafado, The Boston Globe who just passed away. Rest in peace. Great man. But that's the type of quality of story you're getting every day at The Athletic. And that's why I highly urge you to go use the code BruinsBeat right now and subscribe. Two ninety nine a month you'll get it for. It's worth every little cent you get getting there. I mean, that's a hell of a deal. I also want to tell you about our other sponsor, Zip Recruiter. All right? And, you know, we joked they like the uh, – I think it was Andrew uh, Raycroft I had on recently. Um, you know, and he, he, he likes my segue into this before because I think it was uh, – somebody was fired. I don't know. What, I think it was uh, the Flyers GM maybe had been fired. And I said, oh, maybe uh, Zip Recruiter. Maybe they'll put him on there, and uh, the NHL can look there and, and, and find him. Um, but let me tell you about ZipRecruiter. Right? ZipRecruiter right now, okay? Uh, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. dot slash Boston B. ZipRecruiter sends your jobs to over a hundred of the webs leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans through thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. So go there right now. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Boston Beat. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Boston One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Boston Beat. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right. We are going way over the time here. And my producer, uh, Evan Marinovsky, he's going to be like, what the hell, Murph? But you know what? I can't not read your questions. Uh, guys, and I'm going to get right to him. He gave me some great last-minute questions. We only had one when I woke up the day I was recording this. Um, but let me tell you, uh, you guys answered the bell. Uh, I posted this about an hour before I recorded, and, man, we got some questions. So let's get right into it right now. Uh, we start with at HeritageSN, that's Heritage Sports, at Heritage, SN, Heritage Sports. Uh says, so got a few for you, Jimmy. Where do you think Butch puts Pasternak when he returns? What kind of deal does it take to re-sign McAvoy? And what's your cup matchup at this point in the season, and who takes it home? Very good questions, man. Man, we could write uh, three different stories on that. Let me answer it quickly, though. We're going to go to rapid fire here. Number one on where he puts Pasternak, I think he goes back on the second line where he was when he got hurt. Uh, so expect him with Krejci in Dabrask. I think Johansson, when he comes back, will move down a notch. I think you're going to see some alternating uh, with Telerik in there too on the third line. Um, you might see backs being a healthy scratch at times, maybe more often than not after what we just discussed. Um, but that's where I think passing it goes. I like it. It balances out the lineup. And I think one of the reasons that Cassidy's able to do that, and I think people need to shut the hell up with their stupid comparisons of Donato and Charlie Coyle, of Ryan Donato and Charlie Coyle. Every day I'm getting tweets to me since the trade. Who cares who Ryan Denial is doing in Minnesota? If you're frozen, they just care about what's going on here. He's gone. Let it go. All right? Like Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. Sorry to go on a rant here, but I'm sick and tired of the stats of Ryan Denial being thrown in my face and saying, oh, cool, it has got zero points. You know why is able to go on that second line right now? You know why he's able to rotate be- between the first and second line? You know why the. The lineup has balance, and the Bruins can roll four lines, and they're the hottest team in the NHL. It's because they have a center like Charlie Coyle, who actually plays in his own end and does everything that's asked for him. Maybe he's not scoring, but he balances off that lineup. They couldn't do that with Ryan Denial. Ryan Denial is a one-dimensional player. He's a sniper, and he goes hot and cold, and he's going to be lucky if he's a 20-goal scorer every year. That's it. I'm telling you that. Great kid, but he's not going to be some 30 to 40, 50-goal scorer that A lot of people here in Boston seem to think he's going to be. Let it go. All right, second question. What kind of deal does it take to re-sign McAvoy? Well, uh, Fluto Shuzzao and the Athletic will bring up our sponsor again there. Had a great column. I urge you to go check it out about two or three weeks ago. With an interesting tidbit there that a lot of people don't understand. Yes, Charlie McAvoy is coming out of his entry-level deal. um, But because of the lack of uh, AHL games that he played, I think I've got this right, but either or. The bottom line is he can't be offer-sheeted, and that's huge because this is going to be the summer of offer-sheets. You're going to see a lot of them coming. Toronto's going to get raided, Um, but Charlie McAvoy is safe from that. And also, the Bruins aren't required to offer him anything more than a one-year qualifying offer. So they hold all the cards. So it's not a matter of what kind of deal does it take to resign They control it. He can hold out all he wants. He can be like William Nylander, but tell you what, he's not getting that multi-year deal that William Nylander got because he's in a different position than William Nylander, all right? And he's not going to get it. And I think you're going to see a bridge deal now because, according to Fluto, McAvoy turned down a long-term offer, which, you know, he might want to talk to his agents about that. I think he's going to regret that, especially considering the injuries he suffered this year. I think he's a great player. I think he's the future of the Bruins. I don't think the Bruins are going to mess with this to the point where they uh, he doesn't want to be here, but he's not going to hit the megabuck deal like he wanted. I'm looking at maybe a 5.5 for five years, uh, maybe six. We'll see. Uh, three, what's your cup matchup at this point in the season? Who takes it home? Well, I mean, everyone's going to say Tampa Tampa Bay, right? Uh, and they're playing a little laxadaisical lately, but then they answered the bell against Winnipeg lately. So, I mean, they're obviously the pick uh, at this point. So I'd say Tampa Bay. And in the West, I'm sticking with my pick of Nashville, but I think Nashville wins it. Um, I think they're due. They were already there two years ago. I think that experience helps them and gets them to win it. My dark horse pick out of the East, though, is your Boston Bruins. Um, And I'll still stick with Nashville in the West. Uh, What's your cutback? Oh, you already said that. Let's go to another question here from at G Seidel1990. Who should be the next legend to have his number retired by the Bruins? Great question. They finally got took care of uh, Rick Middleton there. I mean, that's a great question. I'm thinking it's probably going to be because he's going to retire soon, and it's probably going to happen uh, within a year of his retirement. I'm going to say it's an Nano char. I think 33 is up in the rafters within the next two to three years. Murph, what roster improvements do you think the Bruins will look to make in the offseason, and who do you think they'll target to bring in the organization to accomplish that? Well, they're going to obviously go after Panarin. Uh, they would have gone after Stone, but Vegas, uh, re signed them. Uh, they're, they're gonna look for more scoring, uh, on that second line. Um, even though I think it, it looks pretty good right now, but they'll do that. And they always, it can't hurt to bring in more defensemen. I, I think something's gonna happen with Tory Krug there. They just can't afford to keep McAvoy and Krug, so, um, you could see him move, but I think scoring's the big thing they'll look at. Uh, now that the trade line has come and gone, who remains as the top targets for this offseason trade F-A-wise, free agent-wise? That's from at Alec underscore by A. Um, like, like I just said, I, I think they do go out to Panera. I don't think they have a shot, though, but they'll look around for some scoring. Uh, at Johnny Driscoll, my man from Holyoke. Can't wait to see you, Johnny, uh, out at the St. Patrick's weekend there in Holyoke. Uh, will they ever stop losing? This team is on fire flames uh emojis yeah they will i mean it's going to happen when we least expect it right i mean they're playing florida the night, uh, tonight when I re- i'm recording this before the florida game could be you know, a stinker against a team like that it's usually a team that you don't think is going to beat them is a one to end these streaks it'll happen my fear is after such a long streak that they didn't go into a losing streak heading into the playoffs or they play lackadaisical kind of mediocre hockey going in that's what i'm afraid of i'm just hoping they didn't peak too early um but yeah it will happen. But what a run they're on right now. Uh, at Reg, R-E-G-S-T-A-J, Riegstai, James Regan, I uh, said, Jimmy, why hasn't it been discussed about Cassie be, being considered coach of the year given the early season injuries and now has him third overall in the league? I, I'm discussing all the time. I think he should be in there. The problem is it's just so much competition. Barry Trots. Uh, I mean, based on what the national media says, they, just, they handed the award to him already, which I think is kind of bullshit. But. Uh, I think Rick Tockett's in there. I think you have to put John Cooper in there, even if he's got a great team. I don't think he should be punished for the fact that he has a great team. Um, but I've got Cassie in there. He should at least be in the top five. Um, at Antonio B underscore three, it's Antonio bon- Bonamo. I hope I'm pronouncing your name. What's the one thing besides Tampa that's stopping them from winning a cup referring to Bruins? Uh Injuries, health, that's it. That's it. And uh, let's not overlook Toronto, everyone. Do I think they beat Toronto? Yeah, I do, but don't overlook them. They've obviously got a lot of revenge motivating them, too, uh, because the Bruins have owned them. So, you know, don't look past Toronto. But if they get past Toronto, I mean, yeah, I think if they can beat Tampa, it's anyone's game. So we'll see. All right. Hey, an extended Bruins beat. I want to thank Daniel Carcillo. Some amazing stuff there. I want to say I hope David Backus. Uh, makes the right decision, whatever he feels that is, I respect it. But I I do fear for him, and I hope he's all right uh, when his career is over, as I do for so many other players. Uh, Great stuff from Daniel Carcillo there. Thank you to listeners for uh, following us. Of course, go over to Bruins CLNS for all your Bruins coverage. And, of course, you'll find uh, this – Podcast there and on clnsmedia.com and iTunes and Spotify. I'm Jimmy Murphy. Big shout out to my man Evan Marinovich. She He's got a great a job to do here, but God bless you, Evan. We love you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, folks. This has been another edition of Burn The Bruins Beat. On, CLS Media. What's going on? What's going on?